The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Mother's Day, I remind you that Mother's Day is a time of celebration, but it's also a time, it's a difficult time for some who either have lost moms this year or had very difficult moms or desire to be moms and that has not happened. So remember those in our body who are in that situation, reach out, minister, love, and care for them. We're still in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 5 is where we are. Tim Cartwright is our preacher du jour. Lord willing, I'm back in the pulpit next Sunday, so I'm looking forward to be with you. In that realm, uh, Tim is our junior high pastor. He is also our token Yankee on staff. So welcome, Tim Cartwright. Welcome, Tim, to the pulpit this morning. Tim. Well, uh, it's kind of interesting. As you guys have experienced the last few weeks, it's kind of been like the United Nations up here. You've got Stephen with his uh, English accent. You've got Chase with his backwoods Deweyville accent. You've got Gary with, I don't know what that is. Uh, it took me like four weeks to figure out what he was saying when I got here. And then what's great for you guys is you get somebody that actually talks normal today. So it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. So uh, if you could turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5, we're going to be reading them from verse 1 through 16 today. Um, this is uh, in our series of 1 Timothy, uh, kind of getting close to wrapping it up. And so um, this passage is dealing primarily with the church's care for widows. It's kind of interesting that I got this passage in dealing with Mother's Day and widows and trying to combine all those things together. And so uh, I think... God has some things for us to learn from this passage, both in how we care for widows and those in need, and also how we honor our moms and how we encourage them as well. So it should be fun together. So in 1 Timothy chapter 5, we'll go ahead and read starting in verse 1. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Treat younger men like brothers, older women like mothers, younger women like sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband. We're in verse 10. And having a reputation for good works, if she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. But refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry and so incur condemnation for having abandoned the, uh, their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed from after Satan. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are really widows. So there's a lot in that passage. You know, we could talk about gossip. We could talk about backbiting and idling, you know, getting into each other's business. We could talk about a lot of things, preparing and, and uh, 
and providing for your home and things like that as well. There's a lot in there in this passage. But today we're going to look at uh, the primary reason for the passage, which was God's care for widows, and then how it relates to Mother's Day and how it relates to family and even the broader family, the body of Christ. So as we think about this passage, to understand a little bit of background, we have to see that, first of all, this is not the first time that the church has dealt with widows and how to help them and how to assist them and and how to be the body of Christ to them. Back in the book of Acts, uh, actually chapter 6, we actually see that that was one of the first problems that the church faced. Not problems like, what are we going to do with these widows? (laughs) Not that. But problems in the fact that widows were being neglected. Widows were actually being, some certain widows were being neglected uh, with what was being brought to the church to assist them. And so this problem persisted throughout the church and continues to exist uh, where we are not caring and looking after those in need like we should, specifically widows in this passage. And so Paul is dealing with this in 1 Timothy, encouraging us as a church to think about that. And so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to look a little bit about what Paul says about widows, about how the church should care for widows, and then we're going to tie it in uh, to the family at large and, and mothers in particular. So in verse 3, there's a few things that we can look at, and and one of them is found in verse 3. Honor widows who are truly widows. The idea that we are challenged to take time to care for those who aren't being cared for. Um, He says to honor them, honor these widows. And part of honoring, besides just respecting, is also taking care, taking time to care for them. And if you look at the whole of Scripture, the whole story of the Gospel, not just little moments in time like 1 Timothy or Ephesians or Matthew and the Gospels, or not just taking it like that, but if you see the whole story of God and His kingdom and what He's doing, you actually see a story of care for those in need. All the way back to the Old Testament, where you see Him even commanding His Israelites, the Israelite people, to even care for those who are in need and, and be on the watch for the sojourner, the stranger, the orphan, the widow, all the people that are in those sections that are in need. And so He was challenging His people, the Israelites in the Old Testament. And then when Jesus comes along, His Son, what does He do? His primary ministry was hanging out with the people who are in need, ministering to them, healing them, challenging others to do the same and to serve. And so we see a great call to take time to care for those that uh, aren't being cared for. James 1.27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. We can also see in verse uh, 4 that verse 4 shows the family should be the first line of care in reference to widows, and that is pleasing to God. Also down in verse 16 as well. But verse 4 talks about if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and make some return to their parents. And so the idea being that the the family itself can be the first line of care for a widow, the first line of defense for, for a widow and someone who's in need. And so we can be that uh, to uh, our immediate family and also uh, the body of Christ as a whole, the widows in our body. You know, some of you in, under this uh, challenge may have difficulty with this part of this passage because maybe uh, you feel some sort of guilt for having to put your mom or dad in a home to assist them. And I want you to know that that's something God's provided for you. 
So I don't want you to feel the weight of that and the pressure of that feeling that you've given them up for some reason, but knowing that you are taking time to care for them and providing what they really need. And so we want to make sure you know that as well. Verse 5 reveals that a godly widow is a praying widow. And we can in turn say this for Mother's Day, a godly mom is a praying mom. We look at the challenge in verse 5 he gives. If you notice there, look at verse 5. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. It's kind of interesting as you look at the role that widows should place, uh, play and, and the, the prayer that they should have. Night and day, a praying widow, a praying mom, a praying father. The idea of the need and the necessity for prayer in our lives. And as I was thinking about this, this message, uh, of course my mom, my grandma, my family are coming to mind. And, and I thought about my grandma. We call her Graham growing up. And uh, she was such a godly woman, a, a woman who was a widow at an early age. In her 50s, she actually became a widow. And instead of, you know, kind of thinking internally, woe is me, that type of mentality, she actually devoted herself to prayer and to serving the body of Christ. And I think about prayer. When I think of her, I imagine this story, not imagine, I recall this story that happened when I was young. Uh, back in the day, some of you might not be able to relate to this because it involves a blizzard. Uh, but back in the day up in Philadelphia growing up, uh, we had this old school station wagon. You know that one that had uh, the faux wood paneling on the side? Some of you might have had one of those. Anybody? Someone came up to me after the last service. I have one of those too. Uh, so the faux wood paneling, you had the, the bench seat facing the wrong way, and like your dad would roll the window down for some dumb reason and let you inhale a bunch of fumes, uh, <clears throat> which explains, I guess, why I'm the way I am and why I work with junior high kids. But... Uh, but so we were on this hill, and it was a blizzard, and it was storming and snowing, and, and we're going up this hill, and all of a sudden this thing dies, and it's snowing out. The whole family's in the car. Of course, Timmy, being the youngest of four kids, is in the back, facing the wrong way. You're like, oh, where's he? Oh, yeah, he's back there. And so I'm back there, and my grandma, she's like, let's pray. And, you know, a lot of times when Graham would say, let's pray, it was about, to me, being a little kid, was dumb stuff. You don't pray about that. You pray about big things, right? You don't pray about this. And she's like, no, let's pray. And so she busts out in a prayer and just starts praying. And she prays for the car. She prays for the snow being, keeping us safe and that we'd be able to start the car. And, of course, right And when she finished her last word of the prayer, what happened? No, no, a tow truck. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, the car started. Yeah, no. <laughs> the tow truck showed up. No, uh, no, it actually started, and we made it home, and everything was fine. And, uh, of course, that's not always the case, but it's important for us to see the praying person, and specifically here, the praying widow. That's important. Night and day, she was giving prayers, and it was just a great testimony to us as her grandkids. Uh, verse 6 challenges us. Paul kind of slips in this challenge, and it's pretty harsh. Uh, in verse 6, he says, but, he, uh, but she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Like, wow, Paul, I'm talking to encouraging widows here. This is kind of rough. But it's important for us to see the challenge that he gives, not just to widows, but you can plug in your title there. Mom, dad, brother, sister, grandmom, grandfather, whoever you are, you can plug that title in and say, 
You are dead even while you live if you're self-indulgent. If you're a selfish person. And some of you even on Mother's Day may have that unfortunate recollection of a selfish mom. Of someone who didn't really care for her family the way she should have. And we, we're sorry for that. We, we pray for you that you'll be able to recover from that. But that's important for us to see this challenge Paul gives. Not just as directed to widows, but for all of us. Who live for ourselves and are consumed by us and me, me, me. And it's really like we're walking dead people. Because we're not seeing the full life that God wants to give us. So how uh, do we as a church, you may ask, how does our church care for widows? What's the challenge that we've accepted from this passage to look out for those widows who are, are here in our body? We actually have over 60 widows represented here at TBC that we know of, and there may be others. But we have specific ministries, and one of them is uh, where we get our deacons and their wives, and we actually assign a deacon and his wife a widow to look after to pray with, to encourage, to take out to eat, to send them a birthday card, to buy them a present. And so they have in turn the opportunity to do ministry and carry this challenge out that Paul gives. Now some of you deacons out there are feeling a little guilty right now because you haven't contacted your widow yet. So you might want to get on that. Hey, Mother's Day is a great time to do it. Um, but it's important for us to see that our church has things in place to take care of widows and deacons are one of them. Another ministry is uh, New Song a women's ministry that is a weekly Bible study for widows. And so the widows are able to get together, encourage one another. Uh, New Song Outreach is something that uh, was recently begun where women in our church can come alongside widows and be assigned a widow to care for. And if you're interested in any of these things, you know, you can see Beth Mackey, our, our women's minister, who can point you in the right direction in caring for widows. And then widows who are actually acting out these challenges. We have widows who are taking it on themselves to mentor younger women as commanded in Scripture and helping them along the way. They get together, they pray together and encourage one another. So it's a really neat thing to watch uh, the body of Christ here specifically at TBC care for the widows. So this passage is, is um, an interesting passage in dealing with widows, but... I don't think it just stops there. I think we can see in this passage an extreme um, focus that Paul gives on the family. And that's kind of how we can see on Mother's Day how this passage relates because Paul stresses all different facets of family. He stresses grandparents, moms, dads. Uh, he stresses even children in there. And so we see family all throughout this passage of Scripture. And there's two, uh, two focuses I want us to have this morning based on family. One is care, and the other one is responsibility. So what we're going to do with these focused uh, things for Paul under family is we're going to take them and kind of focus in on the family as it is your immediate family. Then we're going to broaden out a little bit how it affects the family called the body of Christ and then broaden out a little bit more how it affects the kingdom of God. And so the first thing we can look at is that Paul gives a strong sense of care. A strong sense of care. And it's kind of interesting um, when we look at this idea of care. And I tell the pastors that here at TBC, I don't know if it's this is my second year in a row to do Mother's Day. And I think it's just because they like to see if I will cry. And so they give me Mother's Day, and they're like, all right, go. And uh, I don't usually make it through. But uh, when I think of care, 
one of the best things and the most important thing of all that I can think of when it comes to care in my physical life is both my own mom growing up and my wife. It's really nothing that replaces that. And as I watch my wife care for our kids, obviously my love for her grows more and more. And so when I thought back on the idea of care in your immediate family, I thought about the three special days in our lives when our three kids were born. And all three of them were scheduled C-sections. So we had the curtain, you know, that infamous curtain. For those of you who don't know, there's a curtain for a C-section. So mom is laying there and she can't see a thing. I'm not going to get into all the details, but it can get pretty graphic. Uh, So you got the curtain there. Mom's laying there. Of course, dad's standing up. And me being the curious one with a pretty strong stomach, I'm checking in on things, making sure the doctor's doing everything right. Because, uh, of course, I know what he's doing, right? And so I'm checking in on things. I'm curious to see what's happening. And I get to see the baby first. So I get to see Sydney and Kendall and Noah, and I get to see them first. And the look on my face is a, a combination of, you know, what in the world just happened? Uh, you know, here's my baby, you know, and all these things. And that the, the looks, all, you know, all these different expressions on my face as that baby comes out, especially for my first child. But nothing can replace the look on my wife's face. The look on her face when she is waiting, waiting to see her child. She's just laying there with a curtain in front of her so she can't see and experience what's happening. But to look at her and see as as in a look on her face all three times that I will never, ever forget. This look of expectation. This look of just longing to see this little one as he or she pops around the corner, pops around the curtain and here he is, here she is. The look of care on her face and then to watch her, how she just goes into mommy mode and starts caring for these kids is just absolutely amazing. So I think about this and uh, there was a statement I read that says, Mothers are the only people in the world who love you enough to hold you in their arms after you've just said you hate them. Interesting thing. My dad, he'd probably send me a flying across the room. But my mom, (laughs) my mom gathered me up in her arms There were many times as growing up as the youngest of four kids, I defined the word punk. (laughs) Now, Chase mentioned this, I think, last week. He and I maybe are twin brothers with that. You know, we kind of like to push buttons. And my mom dealt with that nonstop for me. But the amazing thing is, many times I deserved a swift kick in the pants. And instead, she wrapped her arms around me and gave me a hug, gave me a kiss. I've never observed anyone more caring than a mom. Moms define care. And so as I thought about that, I thought about myself as a 13-year-old boy getting the news that my mom had cancer. She had cancer on her thyroid. As a 13-year-old kid, especially back then, man, you hear cancer and it's a tough thing to take trying to balance all that out and figure out, man, is my mom going to die? Am I going to have her around? To think about losing the person that defines care to me. So I texted her this week and I'm like, hey, I've been preparing for this message. 
what, how long ago was that? When was that that you had that surgery? And it turns out it's 25 years ago tomorrow is the anniversary of this surgery. So to think about the care that she defined and to see that God allowed her to continue on this earth, to continue to show care not only to her kids, now to her grandkids, uh, working on a number 15, I think, or something like that. And so it's amazing to watch the care that moms provide and show us. As I thought about care, I also thought about the, the trial that we are going through as a church and specifically the, the DeSalvo family as they struggle through this and work together. I thought of uh, Facebook. And in Facebook, I, I, I have the opportunity to see lots of different people in their comments and specifically just reading uh, Gary's daughter, uh, Sarah's posts, as she shows her faith in a loving God, as she writes these things out and gives updates and goes after this thing with the uh, tenacity of a pit bull, you know, as far as attacking this thing and just going after it. And so I, I actually uh, messaged her and I said, hey, do you mind if I talk about you a little bit in the sermon? And she's like, I don't know why you're asking me. My dad never asked if he could talk about me. And I said, well, I'm not your dad, so I, I think I should ask. But, uh, you know, in the process, I said, you know, uh, I know, I'm sure I know the answer, but I'm guessing, uh, you know, who did you see or how did you learn this whole attitude of care and this love? And of course, a lot of it was from a loving mom who exemplified and personified care to not only her immediate family, but the body of Christ. And so we see that taking place in moms and it's an amazing, amazing thing. And so moms have a, a unique opportunity to be the one of the most lasting pictures of the gospel in your children's lives that they'll ever remember. The picture of the gospel of God sending his son Jesus to die on the cross, to be buried and rise again three days later. That picture of grace and mercy, this beautiful combination of grace and mercy, is often embodied by you as moms. And my encouragement to you is to pursue that even deeper. And to be challenged to do that even more. And so we've seen like the immediate family. Now let's look at the body of Christ and how care is defined in the body. The most obvious uh, you know, example of this is uh, our pastor. Going through this time of struggle and trial. Going through this surgery and this treatment. And for us as the body, wrapping our arms around him and his family. Coming alongside them and encouraging them. But also, not only that but all over the body of Christ right now, things like that are happening. When we're in our staff meetings and we're looking across the table and, and somebody's bringing up a need of a, somebody that just had surgery or someone that just had a child or a death in the family or a struggle, before we can even get the words out, there's another pastor answering, oh, so-and-so just brought them a meal. So-and-so is caring for them. So-and-so is praying with them right now. So-and-so is going to visit them. And it's all the body doing this work. It's the family that God's given us, the body of Christ, to care for one another, to look after one another. And it's, and it's so amazing to watch. Sometimes people fall through the cracks because possibly they're not in community and they're not in that close relationship. The best way to find care, the best way to find people to come alongside you and actually to care about what you're going through and the best way for you to be able to care for someone else is to jump into a small group and be part of a community 
Some of you think that you can come here and be part of the body of Christ and, and be there and be in it and be cared for like you should, but the reality is that doesn't happen that well in a larger church like this unless you're in community. You need to be part of a community and be encouraged to get involved and not only be cared for yourself, but then in turn, if you're acting as a small group that loves others, you will be an action of care around you and a point, a reference point to Jesus. And so we think about care and its impact on the kingdom. When someone is going through a trial and God's people are doing what they should, the world will see their genuine care as a spotlight on the Savior. You imagine your care like your mom, the picture of the gospel, hopefully that she was to you. Just like that, the body of Christ can be a huge spotlight to Jesus to see that we are coming alongside people in trials, in circumstances of trouble, and we are pointing not to ourselves to get a pat on the back, but we're pointing as a flash of light, a high beam to the Savior to say it's because of Jesus that we do this. And so we can exemplify that in our care and see it have a huge impact on the kingdom of God. And then the second thing is Paul gives a specific challenge for responsibility. Responsibility as it relates to our immediate family, you can look at verse 8. Verse 8, he gives a pretty harsh statement. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Wow. It's a pretty big punch to the gut. But it's a challenge that Paul gives and he says, look, you are called and dad specifically as leaders in the home and leaders in the family, you are called to handle your business and raise your family and provide for them. Your wife is not called to do that. Now yes, she may work and help alongside and come alongside working outside of the home, but you as dads are called to be responsible here. And it's a pretty stiff statement that Paul gives, but... That's for another day. The idea of responsibility. Moms are more involved in the responsibility of the craziness of the home. You think about the craziness of the home, especially with younger kids. It can get a little outrageous. And when I thought about that, I instantly thought of my kids and my wife, the great mommy she is. And I thought about my girls, my two angels compared to my son. (laughs) I have Sydney and Kendall. They're eight and six, and then we have Noah who just turned three. And you talk about responsibility for a crazy character. This dude really challenges my wife. I think about the responsibility she has in dealing with him on a daily basis, and I think about matchbox cars flying by her head, sometimes hitting her in the face because he just likes to throw them. I think about... Problems that exist with, for some reason, he has issues with bodily functions and he likes to ride those matchbox cars in his poop and make tracks on the back of the door. Yeah. I think about uh, his potty training and how oftentimes he doesn't have anything on from his waist down because we're trying to potty train. And he, of course, makes it a game. He goes in to play with his trains. Here's the train table. And mommy comes in. How's it going, Noah? She knows if he's quiet, there's a problem. Comes in. How's it going, Noah? I peed my trains. 
You what? I peed my trains. Oh. Okay. So I'm getting these texts, you know, in my office and whatever, you know, just all these things. And she, I mean, some of it she just can't help but laugh at. Some of it she just cries at. She just doesn't know what to do. So mothers, we are so glad <laughs> you are there in the craziness of the home. You know, one thing I picture when I thought of him, you know, and some of you may be able to relate to this, I imagine going into a toy store. And you know that table at the front of a toy store oftentimes has those dogs that bark? And they just yap and they move and then they hit the wall and then they fall over and then they get back up and they go the other way, the most annoying things on earth possibly? Did I just call my son? The mo- uh, yeah, so that's what came to my mind earlier. And he's not that. He's not that annoying. It's interesting, a rabbi said to a precocious six-year-old boy, so your mother says your prayers for you each night. Very commendable. What does she say? The little boy replied, thank God he's in bed. (laughs) I don't know if any moms can relate to that, but I know my wife can. So moms, we are so thankful for you and the heavy responsibility you carry on your shoulders on a daily basis in the home. But sometimes moms can get caught up in being managers of the home instead of being loving mommies. It's a tough task, and I don't envy you having this task. Sometimes we just become managers, and it's an interesting statement Irma Bombeck gave in a column entitled, If I Have My Life to Live Over Again. She says, I would have invited friends over to dinner, even if the carpet was stained and the sofa faded. I would have sat on the lawn with my children and not worried about grass stains, I would never have bought anything just because it was practical, wouldn't show soil, or was guaranteed to last a lifetime. When my child kissed me impetuously, I would never have said, later, now get washed up for dinner. There would have been more I love yous, more I'm sorry's, but mostly given another shot at life, I would seize every minute, look at it, and really see it, live it, and never give it back. What a great challenge for moms and for dads for grandparents, for future moms, future dads, to cherish those children, to live every moment to show them God's love and point them to the Savior. It's a powerful thing. So let's look at responsibility briefly as it relates to our church family, the body of Christ. Galatians 6.2 talks about bearing one another's burdens and so fulfilling the law of Christ. The idea Paul gives us in there is that we are called as a body the family, to be able to bear one another's burdens, to include one another's struggles into our daily lives, to actually take it on ourselves and to hurt with them, to cry with them, to struggle with them, to be in pain with them, coming alongside them as the body of Christ. So the challenge for us, again, is what are we doing in that? We see that in our homes, hopefully, in our our moms and our dads, but... How is that playing out in the body? How is it playing out in the family, the broader family of Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ? He's given us that challenge, not just to be narrow-focused. Oh, I have my family. I have my nice wooden fence. I have my garage door opener that I can hit the garage door opener. I go in and I shut it before my neighbor can see me. But am I actually engaging other people outside of my family, within the body of Christ, within that family, and even, possibly, venturing outside of that family, in your community. What an impact it can have on the kingdom. 
if the world sees how we care for one another as our own family and even greater than our own family, that we are caring for one another in the body of Christ. And then how we are caring and taking responsibility even outside of the body to care for those who are in need in our neighborhoods, people we meet at work, friends of ours, friends of friends, whoever it is. We have a great opportunity to be responsible and for caring for others. So it's a great challenge that we've been given. When the body of Christ functions in a responsible way toward those within and those outside the body, the world sees a beautiful picture of a God who held up his end of the covenant agreement, even though we often see our end as optional. We see that what happens is God has held up his end of the agreement, sent his son Jesus, paid the blood, the agreement, the covenant signed in Jesus' blood on the cross, and the agreement is made with his bride, the body of Christ. And us, working together with the Holy Spirit's power to care for and be responsible for those in need gives a great picture to the world of the gospel and our Savior. So moms, you have a distinct responsibility and opportunity to be ambassadors to the kingdom in this way. To show care and love to your own children and those outside of it. And be an ambassador of the kingdom of God. And finally, I just want us to focus on these last two verses that we'll cover today. 1 Timothy 5, 9, and 10. Paul gives a challenge to kind of help the people understand, the elders understand how to care for widows. And he gives a list of things, a list of items. And he gives an age and he gives some other things that are important for us to notice. Those are pretty powerful. When I think of moms and grandmoms, I think of my gram that was the praying grandmom in the car, in the station wagon. I think about how she took on a role of serving, even though she was widowed at a young age. She went on to serve in the nursery at my dad's church. He's a pastor up in Philadelphia for over 25 years, faithfully serving in the nursery, changing diapers, putting up with little annoying kids. And she did that for over 25 years as a widow. I think of these verses and I think of how many of these things come to my mind when I think of her. And hopefully we can, through the power of the Spirit, follow these commands. Look at verses 9 and 10. He says, Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband, having a reputation for good works, She has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. What a challenge to all of us. Not just to widows, not just to moms, but to all of us sitting here today. Listen to these statements. Be faithful to your husband, perform good deeds such as bringing up your children, showing hospitality, washing the disciples or the feet of the Lord's people, help those who are in trouble, and devote yourselves to all kinds of good deeds. What a great challenge for all of us this morning. And I pray that you will take this on yourself to see it as a responsibility to care for your immediate family, to care for the body of Christ, to be responsible to your immediate family, be responsible the body of Christ so that we can see God glorified in the kingdom. I'm going to ask Pastor Gary to come on up and close us in a word of prayer. Tim, thank you.
Thank you, Tim. Words of encouragement and words of challenge for each of us and to moms. And the way we want to conclude our service is praying for all our moms. So if you're a mom, would you do this? Would you stand for us? If you're a mom, grandmom, great-grandmom, would you stand? We'd like to pray for you this morning. Ladies, we appreciate you. We want you to know how, how blessed we are that you're part of this body and how blessed we are to see the way that you uh, respond to your kiddos and the way that you love on your husbands and the way that you model Christ to us. So if that lady standing next to you is your mom or the mother of your children or uh, you, you reach out and place your hand on her and we're going to pray for her. So if your wife's standing or your uh, mom's standing, you place a hand on her and we're going to pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the love of Christ. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood of Christ. And thank you for these women. Thank you for godly, faithful women who point us to the Savior. Thank you for godly, faithful women who model Jesus. Father, I pray for each of these women standing. I pray that their lives will be filled full of mercy and grace. I pray that they will be women who walk with the Savior, honor their Savior, that they'll be women who point others to the Savior. Bless them, Father. Use them in great ways. And if any of them don't know you, Savior, I pray today would be the greatest Mother's Day celebration of all where they proclaim their faith in Jesus and him alone for salvation. And, Father, we are grateful as a body for godly women who provide us an example how to walk with the Savior. We honor them and we bless them. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. You're dismissed.